Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Her name is Terry Yu. Terry is the founder of Vibely, a seed stage startup for communities to crush their goals together. Previously, she was an early growth PM at Asana, previously a business development at Microsoft Yammer. In 2011, she was a YouTube creator with over 2 million views. Terry, welcome to the show. Thank you, and thanks for inviting me, both Maggie and Brian. Of course, we're excited to have you here today. So we'll hop right into it, Terry. How did you develop your hustle mindset growing up? That's a very good question. So I think it might have been just seeing my my mom growing up. She, you know, came from Taiwan, um, moved to Arizona. Um, she lived here actually by herself for a couple of years before my dad um, came over. So she was with my brother before I was born. And she's always been the kind to have this uh, relentless persistence. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what was thrown at her, she was always knocking down the walls that were in front of her. So just growing up around that mentality really absorbed in myself as well. Um, and then, you know, going into college, um, there were some entrepreneurial ventures that I had then tried a bunch of stuff out and then realized that this was really the part of a business that I was most passionate about. Um, and it kind of leads me to where I came to today. That's awesome. Wow, that's amazing. It sounds like your mother had a lot of um, influence. influence on your mentality and just the way that you grew up. Can you talk about the uh, kind of entrepreneurial stuff that you had worked on while you were growing up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wish it was when I was like five years old or 12 years old. <laughs> <laughs> but it's more that um, in college, um, I actually worked on something called Steam Room, which was a Netflix for um, costumes when Run to Runway was having its um, initial attraction. And uh, the reason why I thought it was a good idea was because at USC, and you know this, Brian, like the frat culture is hot. And so there are parties basically every week, and it just seemed like a waste of money to get costumes every time. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to solve that problem. But what I realized was that it was a very operationally heavy business where you have to have inventory of costumes, then you have to ship it out, which I would actually drive to people's places to do myself. And then you would have to um, have them return it, store it somewhere, uh, clean it, and then just make sure you manage your numbers correctly. And that was a lot of work for something I ended up not being that passionate about. Mm -hmm. So my major learning from that experience was next time around, work on something that is core to who you are, um, something you're truly just waking up every day um, thinking about something that would make a huge difference in your personal life and for others around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big motivator of why I started Bibly. Wow, that's that's so awesome. I think you bring up a really good point too, you know, with entrepreneurship. You always draw on every single experience in your life, like when you throughout your childhood, your early experiences, and all these factor into your their decision making that you make for your current company, you know? So yeah. the biggest advice here is try different things, don't be afraid to fail. Yeah, exactly. Um, And to that point, you know, growing up, I also was very involved in some local communities. So my parents, 
um, when my dad actually came over um, to Arizona and stayed with my mom, they were part of something called the Taiwanese American Association. Mm-hmm. And that was um, their second family where my mom became the president. My dad played in the monthly band. This was a big part of how they felt supported being in a state in which they had no friends, no family. And so um, that was a big part of my childhood as well, where I you know, grew up around all these people who were there for me at any point in time when I was struggling with anything. And so um, we are now in an age today where you know, communities mean something very different. There isn't really this sense of like true affiliation on the digital side. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, that kind of experience also fed into why this mission matters to me or why you know we've worked on uh, Bagley. Wow. wow, that's so amazing. I love how you touched on how both of your parents were so active in communities. And mm-hmm. obviously we're going to touch on Bagley in a little bit, how that, you know, kind of transfers to community building for you as well. I would love to know, like, did your parents have like a specific plan for you? Like, did they, were they like tiger parents and they, did they have a plan for you or were they very laid back and kind of gave you that flexibility to do what you wanted to what do? What do you say about entrepreneurship? Yeah. They're like, what the heck? <laughs> oh my gosh. So my parents are the most tiger parents you can possibly imagine. So they were the kind of parents that would assign me homework growing up when I had no homework, like they would give me math exercises. I'm sure you guys experienced this too, actually. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I spent literally the whole day, uh, quote unquote, doing homework. And so, um, you know, I actually lost motivation at many points because they would just keep assigning me more and more if I finished it. So I would just sometimes sit there and like think about life. And that gave me a chance to like be more creative during that time too, instead of just always executing. Um, but, you know, that really shaped me in the sense that, you know, um, I continue to like work hard after you know, they, you know, even going into college and having, you know, there, there was a fun time around that point. But um, yeah, it, it was part of my DNA to kind of like keep, keep hustling after. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, for entrepreneurship, it's something that my parents I think are at the core of them, like kind of supportive, but there's a lot more. Um, yeah, there's a lot of energy to like me working at the big company culture. Like my mom tells people that I work at, you know, my, that I've worked at Microsoft, that, you know, I, um, she sometimes has the story in her head that I work at Google, which is, <laughs> uh, and so she obviously really wants to be proud. Yeah. Uh, that way. And that's the traditional way that your um, Asian parents will try to push you. Yeah. But as I, you know, accomplish more and more with the company, I think they're starting to open their eyes a bit and see that, you know, if there definitely is something that we're onto something and um, there's a lot of like difference that we can make in the world. And it's not just about, you know, checking the boxes and yeah. the trophies and all that stuff. Yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. You know, that's the thing with Asian parents too. It's like, they're always really skeptical at first. But until you prove that this is viable and this is possible, they'll be they'll be your number one supporter moving forward. You know. Yeah, that's true. They have been more supportive than I'm sure a lot of Asian parents could be. Yeah. Uh, so I, I am thankful for them and like how like their ability to bring me up in this environment did allow me to pursue the American dream. Yeah. Uh, so a lot goes back to them too. Yeah, I mean, shout out to your parents. I mean, Aussie raise a fantastic daughter and we're happy to have uh, <laughs> Rui and Tom if you're listening <laughs> 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 okay. 
But yeah, I do want to switch over to Vibely, you know, mm-hmm. like making that transition. And you know, we listened to your previous podcast too last year. And the <laughs> amount of growth that you made from January 2020 to uh, March right now, that the time you're recording this podcast, it's, it's tremendous. You know, can you talk a little more about your transition from working in tech to be now, now creating your own company and becoming CEO? Yeah, yeah. Um, does everyone already know what Vibly is or should I just, you just dive yeah, into it? Yeah, dive okay. into it. Okay. Tell the listeners what Vibly is. Yes. Okay, great. That might provide some context as I talk through it. So um, at Vibly, we believe that tech should empower us, not define us. And so we started with this mission of changing the social media landscape in a way that we could build meaningful and enriching interactions between communities. Mm-hmm. Really like the experience that I just touched on, um, you know, growing up in tight-knit local communities. Um, so Vibly is a way for positive and safe communities to crush their goals together. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, we partner with content creators to transform their audience into these vibrant communities that cheer each other on, support each other. Um, the mechanics in the platform look like group chat where people are doing Q&A, you know, sharing their experiences, getting advice. And then there's also this idea of accepting and tackling challenges together um, in which people submit photos and videos of them doing the activity. So for example, we're, we partner with Lavender, who's a podcast I think you listened to last time. Um, mm-hmm. She has 40, she's leading a 40 day liberation Korea challenge right now, which is a meditation um, challenge. And then like Rowena Tai, who's another creator on our platform, she has 520,000 YouTube subscribers. She's doing a mindfulness challenge with um, digital worksheets. Wow. So it's just everyone coming together, synchronously doing an activity, getting feedback, as well as becoming better friends in the community because of that. Um, so that's kind of what Bible is. Oh, I love That's that. awesome. I love how your face just lit up when we asked about Vibly. <laughs> we're talking about Vibly. That just goes to show how much passion you have for the company. Yeah, I really like the tagline too. <laughs> Built by women, not gamer dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I love my French writer really liked that line. <laughs> how did you, I mean, uh, the name Vibly. Yeah. Oh, good question. Um, so originally we were thinking about good vibes. That was really a core tenant of what these communities should encompass. Um, so, you know, through iterations of um, different names, we picked a couple, tested it amongst um, users on like Mechanical Turk, um, and then saw there was a more positive reception towards this thing. <laughs> um, it gave people the feeling of like fun and positivity. And so that's, that's, uh, what we landed on. I love that. Yeah. yeah. That's and, a great name, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad. Sometimes I worry because I'm like, hmm, maybe it has some connotations. <laughs> One more people say, you know, sounds yeah. potentially scandalous. So, but yeah, I'm glad that we do not have mostly that impression. <laughs> awesome. So now that we know what Vibely is, you know, like Brian said, talk about that experience just jumping from your tech job to being a CEO and co-founder. That's a huge transition yeah. that all of us are always curious about, but some of us are not willing to make that yes. jump. So we want to hear about that yes. experience. I, like, I want to know if you were like already thinking about starting a company while you were at Asana and what was the time frame between Asana to starting Ivy? Yeah. Yeah. So when I was working at Asana, um, I think I always had this, this uh, hustle in me to want to create a company and start something and make an impact. So 
that I didn't know when the right time was because um, I wanted to, it to be something that I actually cared about mm-hmm. um, because it's such a long journey. You know, you have to select something that actually makes um, like something you can continue getting energy from. Um, and then I also wanted experience because I figured the more that I had um, an understanding of product development and growth, especially if this was kind of like where I was brewing, that I would be able to execute and really um, do it uh, in an efficient way instead of having to sometimes learn along the way it can be slower. Um, so um, I think about a year into Asana, um, I started really thinking about like how tech is um, in a place where I don't like. So the A-B testing framework that you see in a lot of these tech companies, um, you know, forces is kind of like addictive screen time experience where we get um, more and more socially empty and lonely as we use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to create a like real empowering sort of tech where um, it helps you be more inspired, happier, like you have more meaningful enriching experiences because of the pep tech itself. Mm-hmm. So um, we, I, when I quit Asana, um, I already had you know this mission core to me in mind. And then after you know testing around some concepts, um, we started bringing like online Facebook groups offline as a way to make this happen. So we thought face-to-face would be an amazing way to give people that support system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately, uh, we found that a lot of these influencers or personalities would be the ones leading these super engaging communities, just like you guys for um, um, Asian Hustle Network. So um, then we wanted to really help them curate their community in a way that made uh, rewarded them that gave a lot of intimacy towards the community um, and then continued to service the mission. I love that. I love how community focused you are uh, with your company, with Vibely too. Out of curiosity, like, were you trying to solve a personal issue that you kind of dealt with throughout your content creation career early on? Mm, that's a good uh, question. How you found your, your passion for this project? Yeah. So, the content creator experience I had in 2011 definitely fed into this. Right? So my channel is actually for my dog. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> um, but she had, she was a Klikai, which was a newer breed at the time. It's known as a mini Husky, but um, a lot of people would watch and look to me as the like subject matter expert. And so they would always ask the same questions. It was like, how big is your dog going to get? What size is she? Um, how do I treat this separation anxiety? Um, what color sh- of a clique should I get? Mm-hmm. And so it was getting to the point where it was not just comments, but I had so many inbox uh, messages around the same kind of question. So th- it just showed me how unscalable it can be to be the primary point person mm-hmm. um, and the only relationship that the uh, viewers have. And so there's just so much more potential when the creator can actually be a new, like a real community leader that brings and rallies people together, similar to like Mm -hmm. the Pope to the Catholic church Mm -hmm. or a president to a school where it's a real intimate community led by someone. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I love how you're able to take what you've experienced and learned through your content creation days and really build out Vibely to what it is today. Um, when you were just starting Vibely, what was your marketing strategy like and how heavily did you rely on, you know, just word of mouth? Mm-hmm. Good question. So it was very experimental at first. So my background is growth, right? So I'd like to validate a lot of the ideas before growing down a path. 
Um, what was the uh, common theme was just the mission that we had around empowering um, positive and meaningful experiences. But we had to, with a lot of different concepts at first. It was like our first wedge. It was like uniting solo travelers. It was like, you know, helping Facebook groups. Then it was like the influencers powering the um, communities. And so um, when I had spoken to Lavendera last year, yeah. um, that was when we were already on the path of influencers creating these meaningful communities under uh, their brand. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, things have changed even since then because it's always an evolving journey. So COVID wiped out all the offline activities that these influencers could do with their communities. And so we really reestablished and focused on creating that intimacy online mm-hmm. um, through the challenges, through the synchronous activities um, and saw that as a, you know, we've basically had fortune X growth since the pandemic as a result. So kind of always have to be keeping your eyes open and shifting and um, learning and um, executing and getting back up if things push you down. I like that a lot. That's mm-hmm. so, I think you meet, you kind of like brush over so quickly, but there's so much to unpack, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, those are great signs of a strong entrepreneur, especially in a fast changing environment like mm-hmm. Bible or any startup that, you, that you're a part of. You always have to keep an eye out for trends, opportunities, and what's going on in the world. You know, that's how you, that's how you stay ahead of the curve and continue building a vibrant culture. But my next question is, you know, with, with the environment constantly changing, how do you focus your company on one thing at a time? Because there's so many things that comes your way. There's so many ways to pivot, right? You have your team, you have your advisors, they all say different things. How do you <laughs> as Terry, the CEO, decide what to focus on? Yeah, so this is a very a, a hard skill because you have so many different stakeholders. You have your investors, you have your team, you have your, for us, we have our creators. We also have the members. Um, and so as the person who's like corralling all this, you have to zoom out constantly, take a look at, you know, all the different priorities. Um, oftentimes I'll analyze like impact over cost. Um, that helps me decide, you know, which opportunities are worth pursuing versus not. Um, but sometimes it's just gut too, where your instincts and your, um, your, uh, the feedback that you're getting from people has to be part of that like decision-making process. Um, so it's, you know, not perfect. Of course, you like, there's no science to it. Um, but you can often validate before you act. So I kind of touched on this earlier, but the entire growth process of at least a tech company, you do need to be very experimental. You need to try things. Often times I will try to, um, like bring up a landing page or bring up a Facebook ad to kind of validate or invalidate my assumptions before going deeper down a path and it's spending engineering resources um, on something. Um, so that helps to mitigate the risk. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear about your strategic thinking and the way you make decisions. I think that's very um, inspirational for a lot of us to kind of listen to. And I kind of want I'm kind of, I kind of want to focus on you as a female founder too. Like, what kind of struggles have you faced, especially in a very male dominated industry like tech and in VC? Like, yeah, yeah. And there's you know statistics everywhere that shows a very little percentage of you know venture capital funding goes to women led companies. And I know you also lead Vibly with another uh, female entrepreneur as well. So would love to know any challenges that you went through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on top of that, uh, during the pandemic, 
any kind of progress we made for female funding collapsed to like 2017 levels. So yeah. definitely always a struggle for the female aspect of it. But um, for me personally, I think I started at a time where at least the industry was already aware of the biases against females. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't encounter as much like sexual harassment or discrimination. Mm-hmm. Um, however, there's so many implicit biases that we as humans just don't even know we have. Right. Um, so when it comes to things like fundraising, um, there were times when I you know, would encounter people who would take me less seriously. Who knows why? Maybe it was I was female. Maybe it's because I'm Asian. Or maybe I just don't present myself that well. Who knows? But um, either way, you know, having that extra unknown um, about you um, makes it just like a tad bit harder. Um, But that doesn't mean you can't overcome it, right? So like we had our pre-seed round early on, we had awesome backers like Steve Chen, the co-founder of YouTube, Scott Mm -hmm. Heckman, co-founder of Meetup, um, Evan Tana, the advisor to Patreon. And so there were early believers in what we were doing, um, even before the concept of the creator economy got really hot. And so um, that was, you know, just having fun of the people who really believe in you and um, understand where your business is going and the, the general industry really propels you past any kind of challenges. Um, and so uh, we kind of, you mentioned this, but we just closed a um, oversubscribed seed round as well. Um, and it was over 2 million. So that's something that like- Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and we have one of the world's best investors behind us. So um, I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunities that we have today. Um, but it did take a lot of like hard work and overcoming um, yeah. any challenges that were thrown at us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I read about um, the seed financing in TechCrunch. So congratulations on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know like what that process was like while you were fundraising as like a first time founder. You know, the hustle. Well, <laughs> I don't think that a lot of us can understand what you went through to hustle for that. Type <laughs> yeah, of company, exactly. you know? yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think fundraising as a concept, it's very it's like this game where I think it's a lot less about merit than you would expect because there's a lot of optics that feed into it. Everyone wants to invest in what everyone else wants to invest in. And so you really have to, um, no matter how you're feeling about it, you really have to put on a strong face, put on your business suit. I mean, not literally, but you know, mentally, um, and really um, portray yourself in the best possible light. Um, that is unfortunately how the fundraising, at least in San Francisco, it works. Um, But the like entire journey itself of like fundraising was very exciting at the same time because you meet so many people who are, you know, either well-known in their industry or are good growth minds or consumer minds. And for us, you know, it gave us all this free feedback on the strategies that we had. And as long as you know who to listen to and who to not, you can kind of take that all in and, um, encompass a better strategy over, over time. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm great. I think it was, it was definitely stressful in the sense that like, it's never, um, nothing like that is ever that easy, but it is really awesome too, because, you know, now we have, um, even better investors than I could have asked for. We did it, Terry. Well, <laughs> you did the first part, but just the beginning of something even greater, you know, so mm-hmm. we're always cheering you on along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of want to focus on, you know, on you. On like, how do you take care of yourself? Because 
you know, there's a lot of stress that goes into running a company. You're probably waking up thinking about this 24 seven, right? When is Terry time? Like when did, when do you like wind down and like, okay, I'm not going to answer any emails because as an entrepreneur, it's so easy to like, Oh, I can handle that. It's like five minutes, you know, and five minutes eats into another email. You, you go down, you go down like a deep rabbit hole. So how do you set boundaries for yourself as, as an entrepreneur? Yeah. And do you follow any like routines or habits, healthy habits that you picked up on? I'm going to be honest with you. I work a lot. So <laughs> I'm not sure I have a good sense of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even in an early stage of a company, you kind of have to throw yourself in it. However, recognize that it's not just about time spent. It's also about your own productivity. Um, but in theory, if you're productive and you spend a lot of time, the more you can accomplish for a company. So for me, I try, I have my rituals that I've found over time that I've worked, which I can get into, but I'm still figuring out what is the right line. Um, because uh, unfortunately, if you don't work on the company, like no one else is going to really be as passionate as the founders. And so you have to be always thinking about it. Um, so getting into more like the self-care zone of what I do, I don't know if anyone should learn from me, particularly for self-care, but um, I do tend to have these sources of energy that I can always reset back to. So sometimes that's a significant other, that's my best friend, Vivian, or that's, um, you know, a show or a podcast that might make me feel inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes, you know, when I'm feeling down, um, I'll watch something as you know, dramatic and sensational as Shark Tank because that gives me like this view back to appreciate the opportunity that's in front of me. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's a playlist. So if it's, you know, I have this music that reminds me of when I was a child and when life was simpler, you know, I'll listen to that. Um, so still what I try to do, <laughs> like the R&B songs, you know, when I was in high school, that kind of thing. Um, um, so that source of energy will often bring me up. And then I have things that I know bring me down that I try to cut out. Um, this is requires a lot of like self-awareness, but um, if there's a particular uh, issue or system, systemic um, problem with like process or something like that, like solving it and actually taking action on it faster helps me feel better. Um, so I try to redirect any kind of like negative energy towards action. And then that has helped me overcome uh, a lot of the, the hard shit. Yeah, I, I really, I really appreciate that. And I'm also very much the same way. It's like anytime negative stuff, I'm just going to do my work. It just makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, the only thing I have to be careful of is sometimes doing more work, be like yeah. actually not progress, you know? So yeah, um, just you have to be aware that, you know, you always want to be working on something meaningful. At least. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love that you're being honest with yourself saying that you do work a lot, but at the same time, it seems like you've really come to find out like what keeps you grounded and, and that takes a lot of courage. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah we're still learning boundaries ourselves. <laughs> like we see something like, you know what, let's do it. It's part of the Asian hustle, right? Well then, <laughs> We're slowly realizing more and more how important it is to like take care of yourself first because mm-hmm. if you take care of your mental health, everything will fall into place. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. And I think the I'm lucky to work with um, creators who like practice wellness and self care, mm-hmm. like um, Eileen Shu and Rowena, because like they teach me a lot of times when by watching their videos and they're seeing their community 
of like, what are the healthy things to do? Like journal, reading, like exercise. I'm trying to force myself to do all those things more and more. So um, it's nice to surround yourself with that, like positivity as well. The community-based effort. I like that a lot. Yes, very vibrant. <laughs> <laughs> so we listened to your podcast with Lavender, um, and you did mention a little bit about rejection therapy. Yeah. And we also interviewed uh, Jia Jang. Recently. Recently. Uh, rejection therapy. <laughs> on rejection therapy. So I would love to know, like, what type of situations do you set up to expose yourself to rejection and what have you learned from it? And what was your mentality before getting rejected? <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. Yes. It's gonna happen, but you just had to brush, like, brush it off, right? Yeah, it doesn't even feel like rejection to me anymore. I will literally, if I have something I want, I'll just send out an email. You don't hear back. I don't even remember because I send so many. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's honestly just practice where it becomes a muscle and you just exercise it, and then it's your second nature um, where you don't even feel anything when you have you left anymore. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I ever went out to like a pizza restaurant and like, mm-hmm. oh, will you give me free pizza? <laughs> yeah. Then, um, early on in high school, I did have jobs where you'd actually go up to people and just ask them to take surveys or do something. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. and That's pretty so, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think that one of them thinking of is it used to be a movie survey um, company where they'd want random people in the theater to come to this kiosk and then put in their um, opinions about a trailer that's upcoming. And so it was a lot of me just approaching strangers and being like, hello, will you please come and fill out this survey? And um, that in itself, I probably pushed me to um, learn that, you know, if someone's like, no, I don't have time not to take it personally, um, just to keep going and that it is a numbers game at the end of the day. Yeah, I I really like that mentality too, because that is very much a part of the hustle. You'll yeah. probably encounter mm-hmm. a buttload of no's yes. because they say no, it doesn't mean your idea is bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You really can't get anything done if you're afraid of rejection. Like it's just part yeah. of it. It's not even, you should maybe even reframe it. It's not even rejection. It's just moving. You know, you just got to yeah. do the brush, brushery to be able to get to where you need to go. Definitely. I really like your growth mindset. <laughs> it really shines through the entire podcast, how you yes. think about certain things and you know, the entrepreneurship entrepreneurship path is really difficult and there's a lot of highs and lows, you know? Uh, I know you mentioned that when you're feeling low, you push that into action. So can you kind of highlight some of the times where you felt the high and how do you continue staying motivated when you're still fit, feeling really good? Hmm, that's a good question. So the high is when, I, when I've had really amazing moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do have to consciously grab onto that for longer yeah. and remember over and over again that that's a high moment because it's so easy to get back into the uh, whole swirl of bad and yeah. not as good and mm-hmm. maybe good but not good enough and so um i think the way to do that is potentially like writing things down so that you truly internalize it I do once in a while put things on a sticky note and like put it on my mirror or my computer just to like remind me that something good is happening. Um, But yeah, I I think as a, it's a kind of natural thing of entrepreneurs to focus on what else needs to be done. What else do I, you know, is not ideal so that we can get to the next place or the next milestone. Um, So 
yeah, it's just a constant reversion back to um, your your positive um, your positive placements or what you've done um, to remind yourself to be gracious because mm -hmm. it's a hedonic treadmill at the end of the day, and you will never be happy if you don't stop and realize yeah. that what's around you is already there's so much opportunity, so much privilege, so much yeah. that we should be grateful for. I like that a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. And Terry, how do you see yourself? Like, how have you grown personally since starting this company? I'm sure you've went through so much since starting Viably. I but know. You, you tell your, your tone of voice yeah. and for you guys are here now, we're doing a video podcast. <laughs> we see Terry, you know, we see like the the grit and grind that, that she has as she yeah. talks and she's so passionate about what she does. Mm -hmm. And I think like Brian and Terry have kind of met each other before, right? Don't make you sound so creepy. <laughs> Not creepy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know, I know Terry. You, you two went Terry to USC. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm sure you've grown so much, you know, throughout the years, but we'd love to know like how you personally see yourself have grown throughout the years as well. So I used to have really bad imposter syndrome and I, actually forgot I had that um, until recently I was talking to some of our teammates and they were, you know, it, it, communicating that they had um, some thoughts in this arena. And I realized, shit, doing Vibly and actually taking action on my own accord solved a lot of the imposter syndrome that I had when I was working at a company. Yeah. And I think it goes back to like, if you feel like you have personally accomplished something where you feel proud where you're like, I made it happen. I know that I was like a big force in it. Mm -hmm. um, I think you tend to then start, stop focusing on like others impression of your performance and you start to have full, you know, confidence and acceptance of what you've done and no one can really take that away from you. Yeah. Um, so I've also, you know, read uh, books a long time ago about imposter syndrome, and maybe that helped to like hear all the um, different examples. Like even one of our backers, who's a co-founder of Asana, very successful guy who was like employee number 20 at Facebook. He's had imposter syndrome growing up as well. So yeah. it's like, I think everyone has it. You have to get to a point where you are so, um, you've accomplished something that you're proud of and you're, you're just comfortable and accepting of your own skills and weaknesses that yeah. you stop thinking so much about um, this haze that's surrounding you. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the biggest difference, I I think. Uh, but maybe that's just top of mind because my conversation is only with the team. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the subject of imposter syndrome will always be there, but except you find tools and ways and community in order to overcome that. You know, it doesn't matter where you are in life. You're gonna be. You're gonna face a situation where you look at yourself and like, whoa. What am I doing? Why is everyone asking for advice here? <laughs> Sometimes I have to stop and realize that a lot of people are now looking to me for advice and that I can teach them something. It's um, actually quite different than um, where I was before. Um, yeah, and there's also different tricks for imposter syndrome where like, I think there's a book where it talks about your body language and how yeah. yes, your mentality. So if you stand up straight and you Put your arms out wide like it'll actually make you feel more confident while you're talking uh, which i totally believe in but i do think there needs to be some like substance where you feel like you actually have done something and they yeah can um, be a part of who you are yeah i really like that mm -hmm. summarize like to overcome imposter syndrome is by taking action taking action. <laughs> i love it i love it yes absolutely 
So what I really love about Viably is that it really reminds me of Asian Hustle Network, just like all about community building. And I've read everywhere that says, you know, Viably is like a judgment-free zone. Mm -hmm. How do you ensure that, you know, Viably maintains that judgment-free zone? How do you maintain that culture? Yeah, yeah, that culture. Culture is like one of the the hot keywords that gets thrown around a lot. Mm -hmm. It's all about culture, culture, culture. Yeah. But like no one dives deep into what culture is and how you build culture. You're totally right. What you've accomplished with AHN is actually very, it gives me some inspiration on our own when we're looking at like the Viably communities. Yeah. Um, most of the communities we attract are these like positive mission-based communities where they're truly trying to help and people grow. And yeah. so that tends to attract a demographic that of like kind and supportive people that are on our platform. Uh-huh. Um, we're very thankful for long-term as we scale, um, you know, we'll continue to be this kindness, but we do have automated tools that check for um, certain negative actions. Um, yeah. Judgment is a hard one. I don't know if we are going to be ever judgment free. That's yeah. just mm-hmm. that is really difficult. It is difficult. Yeah, I think more so we want to be a troll free, drama free zone. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the way we accomplish that is through something we branded as a vibe check. So that's Ooh. our commitment to positivity, where you know if you are bullying, harassing, you are soliciting, um, there's a very low bar in which you will just get kicked out of the platform entirely, if not just removed from the group. Uh Um, But we do leave it up to the communities. They have ambassadors who um, manage their um, members and conversation. And then if it's ever reported up to us globally, we will actually take action on it instead of waiting around potentially like Parler or one of those other, like maybe Twitter, a little bit more on the negative side of Mm -hmm. moderation. I love that. I love how you're super transparent about that. And, you know, especially in a time like this where we just like need more love within communities and everyone, it's, yeah. it's really important. It's a really yeah. subject. <laughs> yeah. It's taught me that we do not have already have a place where you can truly go for a source of kindness and inspiration. Yeah. You know, closest today is maybe TikTok, maybe Facebook groups, AHN definitely is, but you know, you guys are um, diamond in the rough. Like it's so hard to find those kind of um, engaging, positive, supportive places. And so ultimately our platform will be the home for all these communities, whether that's creator communities, Facebook groups like AHN, um, or, you know, religions or brands or politics political parties, like everyone needs a home. And yeah. we were really creating that space where there's a um, true affiliation and identity associated with who's around you. I love that, yeah. I love that. So this is the early 2021. What are your goals for the rest of the year and what are your goals for Vibly for the rest of the year? Ooh, uh, my personal goals tend to conflate with Vibly a lot. Um, I wanna exercise more. Even this podcast reminds me that I was supposed to exercise Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and I do have not. I fell out of that recently. Still got um, it. Still time. <laughs> <laughs> My personal goals, and then um, vibely. You know, we have already had uh, over 600 communities last year in 2020. We also had um, over 400,000 messages sent, as well as 37,000 completed challenges. So people are really responding well to it, and we just want to continue growing and scaling and making it rewarding for both content creators and for the community to truly feel like this is a place they can depend on a real support system 
that they'll never feel alone again. I love that. Love it. Amazing. So Terry, we have one last question for you. Okay. <laughs> that is what one advice can you give to an aspiring entrepreneur? Aspiring female entrepreneur. You want aspiring to focus female entrepreneur. on that. <laughs> oh, there's so much. <laughs> Only one. <laughs> you need two. <laughs> okay. Okay. Two. Terry gets two. <laughs> two. Okay. Um, the first one is to, should I go for corny or should I go for like. One corny one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. Um, maybe one, one more like philosophy one and one more tactical one. Okay. Sounds good. The first one is to believe in yourself and continue to persist and keep going. I think that's the hardest trait to find in people. And if you have that, where you can get yourself off the ground, every time you get beat down, um, you are going to be the, one of the most successful people out there because that is literally the trait that it you know, takes you from point A to point B. Yeah. Um, nothing else like smarts or, you know, network and all that can compensate for just your ability to be um, like resilient. So there's a lot of mental stamina in there. I just want to encourage people to have because that's truly how we got to where we were today. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the second one that's a lot more tactical is that you should really, if you have any way to experiment and like measure and create a success criteria around validating your ideas prior, that will help to make sure that you're on the right path because everyone has ideas, right? But to know which ones to pursue, um, you can really just focus your time and energy on the ones that are actually going to get you um, to, a, to the company and you to a good place. So I think that's something that you just learn as more in like the product sphere, but it's true for anything. Um, for example, even a CPG product, you might want to just test that with a hundred, maybe 500 people before you uh, right. have a final concept. And that just mitigates the, a lot of the risk that, um, you know, people won't like it as much and that you just sunk a bunch of money. I love that. I love the strategic thinking yes. side of you a lot. Yes. And I know I mentioned that a lot in this podcast <laughs> already, but I do appreciate that. Really Thank you, Terry. And how yeah. can our listeners find out more about you and Vibly online? Uh, so I have a Twitter account now. I actually used to never tweet, but I'm starting to. Um, it's Terry, the Terry you at Twitter. And then uh, I'm on Instagram. I am Teriyaki Chicken, which I'm still proud of because <laughs> I got that name when I was like in, I want to say college, early college. Uh, That's so cool. And yeah, if you're interested in Vibly itself, the site is vibly.io. Um, mm -hmm. So we're, our goal there is to just help as many community leaders lead um, more intimate and meaningful communities. So happy to help anyone who needs. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Terry. It was amazing hearing about your story. Thank you, Terry. appreciate you. Yeah, of course. It was so fun to chat with you guys. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.